The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansite. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Game one of the World Series is in the books. Don't have to remind you, the Yankees are still not playing, and yet we get to laugh at the Red Sox every time the Dodgers and Rays face off because Mookie Betts is doing Mookie Betts things to an exponential degree. Uh, We're going to talk World Series. We're going to talk people swirling these Aaron Judge trade rumors around. Uh, We're going to address the anonymous scout ripping Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake for some reason. And an Aroldis Chapman stat that's going to make you pass out and fall on somebody's lap. Um, Folks, if you like what you hear, please drop us a line on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. Give us a five-star review and leave us a mailbag question. We're going to have to start doing more mailbag days than ever because, uh, you know, uh, baseball season, not long for this world. Uh, So we're going to have to adjust our game plan a little bit. uh, And we'd love for your participation in dropping us those five-star reviews and your questions. Uh, Thomas, pretty exciting game one of the World Series last night in which the Dodgers absolutely opened up their can of whoop-ass on the Tampa Bay Rays, whose offense is straight up not good and was not good again last night. Yep, and Tyler Glass now just a little bit overrated, I think. Uh, Very overvalued at this point. He's got great stuff. We've talked about it in the past. He throws triple digits. His curveball's filthy. But, you know, as we've seen over the years, nasty stuff only gets you so far. You got to actually go deep into games. His pitch count is always a problem. Um, He rarely ever gets beyond five innings. Um, And then the wheel typically come off on that third time through the order um but of course you know he'll be he'll throw an eight pitch inning against the Yankees in game five of the ALDS in a do, do or die uh, matchup so that makes sense but anyway great to watch the Dodgers uh kind of rebound after all that they've been through you know four or five days ago they were being laughed at about you know being eliminated once again choking in the postseason once again everybody's coming for Dave Roberts 
or Ted once again. But my favorite thing is that I hope every Red Sox fan is watching this World Series and just getting this jam down their throat, uh, watching Mookie Betts just dominate and be a very main catalyst for this team. Uh, last night, second player in World Series history with a walk and multiple stolen bases in one inning. Guess who he joined? Hmm. Our boy, our good boy, Babe Ruth in 1921. Babe Ruth was swiping bags 100 years ago in your face. And that's what Red Sox fans have to deal with. These, these crazy senseless stats that match the two instances in your franchise history where you will be cursed because this bets trade is going to curse them. These, everybody is watching the results on the, on the biggest stage on national TV. Everybody can see it. The world is watching. And now they know because the broadcast is incessantly talking about it, that the Red Sox decided to trade this guy um, and then, please, we had Chris Cotillo. I sent you that tweet late last night. Yeah. Let me just pull this up. Something talking about how we don't really know what uh, Mookie, I guess, would have accepted from the Red Sox pre-pandemic uh, because uh, maybe he was shooting higher um, than three hundred some three hundred sixty-five million. Someone asked him, I guess there's a, well, or said, I guess there's always a possibility that they offer him 12 for 420 and he turns it down for whatever reason. At that point, it becomes a little bit more explainable. And then Cotillo said, honestly, no one has any idea whether he would have accepted that or not. I do believe and had heard from many people privy to the discussions that 12 for 365 pre-pandemic likely would not have gotten it done and the pandemic then changed everything. We're going to really sit here and think that if the Red Sox offered Mookie Betts $365 million to become the second highest paid player in baseball, only behind, what did Trout get? 420 or 420 or 430? I thought it was 400 on the dot, but don't quote me on that. I haven't thought about Mike Trout. Like every other baseball fan on earth, haven't thought about him in seven years. (laughs) Yep, exactly. But okay, so either way, for the sake of, let's meet in the middle. Let's say he, let's say he got 415. So you're telling me that Mookie Betts would have had uh, a fit getting 50 million fewer dollars than somebody who is widely regarded as the undisputed best player in baseball. I I don't know. Uh, Mookie doesn't seem like that guy to me, but the reports that we have seen showed us that the Red Sox offered 300 million. And that was the end of the conversation. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round the clock protection. Something you probably don't know, a driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know, there's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know, a basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Obviously, we don't know. We're not going to know every single detail. It's never going to come to light, but reporters have jobs and their jobs are to report what they hear. And we heard 300 million. And that obviously was not a fair deal because I think we can say very much as a matter of fact, at this point, that Mookie Betts is better than Bryce Harper and deserves to be paid more than Bryce Harper is. Um, So, I mean, Red Sox fans, stop making excuses. Even if it even if he wanted 400 million, you give the guy the extra $30 million instead of trading him to save $27 million. You're dumb. You're watching it happen. You're watching everything unravel, and you deserve it. Just how Astros fans deserve to watch Mike Zanino talk in that postgame of Game 7 after the huge hit that he had that, that turned the tides. 
Well, it's funny because like, you know, you talk, you heard a lot of talk uh, last night specifically uh, about, you know, how, you know, you never know uh, what bets would have accepted and what he wouldn't have accepted. And Cotillo saying, I heard he wouldn't have accepted 365. That's great because 365 was never offered. So we don't even have to think about whether or not he would have accepted that from the Red Sox because the Red Sox fell $65 million short of that offer. So actually who cares what he would have rejected in a dream world in which that was offered to him. It wasn't. So who cares? Uh, and then B, you had a lot of Red Sox fans last night going, oh, please. You know, we, we knew all along Mookie wanted to test free agency. It's not a matter of trading him. It's a matter of not trading him sooner because, you know, you had no control at the end when they actually had to pursue this deal. Okay, uh, but, you know, Mookie was destined to test free agency. I heard that a million times. Uh, he didn't. He didn't test free agency. He went to a place that valued him properly and then signed a deal you know, garnering money for himself from a team that was like, oh, we have Mookie Betts now? Oh, yeah, we, we want to keep that guy for sure. That, that's the guy who's going to be on the team uh, for sure, for sure. He's like the most important player in baseball. I think we're going to pay him money. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, Red Sox fans had to go through this cycle of grief like 100 times, uh, which honestly they deserve to go through a separate cycle of grief every like two months for 100 years based on how much good karma they've had since 2004. Um, you know, they, they've basically lived a charmed life until early 2020. So it's, it's beyond time for us to have, you know, an inciting incident of pain that's sort of this impactful. But they had to live through the trade once in February uh, when it first broke. Then that trade fell apart. Bruce Dark Gratterall no longer a part of it. Then suddenly he's going to L.A. instead of Boston, and he's part of a separate deal, and who knows and who cares. Uh, Red Sox fans have to go through it again at the end of the month after it seemed like it was maybe going to fall apart and Mookie was going to stay and play out his lame duck year in Boston. Then the pandemic hits. We don't have baseball, and Mookie's still on, like, this final year of his contract, and we've got all an entire summer of Red Sox fans going – oh my God, he's not even going to play for the Dodgers. He's going to come right back to us. We're going to have Mookie and Verdugo, who apparently we like now. Um, and then, no, in the middle <laughs> of uh, the pandemic, as baseball resurges, um, Beth signs a huge extension with the Dodgers. And no, you'll never see him again. Um, oh, wait, except for you will see him again on TV during the World Series this year equaling Babe Ruth in a stat that no one else has ever done. And you've got the announcer sort of reminding Red Sox. Announcers pretty much peeling off the Band-Aid a little bit by little bit and reopening the wound. Joe Buck just on a bender, no sleep, calling like seven games in seven days, opening the wound up with his bare hands, being like, you know, it was actually pretty good. World Series MVP, Mookie Betts. Um, I overthought it. I picked, before the series started, I picked Dodgers in six, um, which – feels like a pretty popular pick but I also said the MVP would be AJ Pollock just because I I kind of wanted to not say Betts just because it felt like Betts was too easy a call like Betts and Kershaw felt like the easy calls and and Corey Seager just won one so he's pretty easy and I was like who it's always somebody a little weird I'm sure Betts will be good I don't know if Betts will be MVP great and then in the first game he does everything on on defense uh, on offense on the base paths he gets the rally going repeatedly, and he's also all the announcers can talk about. So if the Dodgers win the series, Betts is like he's the, the, the announcers already decided he's the narrative. Um, whether he's the one who's really going to make the difference in this series or not, Cody Bellinger hit a huge homer in the first game. Uh, but it does feel like the announcers and the broadcast team and everybody and David Ortiz in the post game have all joined the like let's shame the Red Sox for trading this generational talent across to the West Coast. 
train that we've been on for months and it feels good. feels really good. It, it does. We should be shaming them. They, the ownership should take full responsibility for this. It's going to be something they look back on and you know, they're going to pretend like they're not going to look back on it because you know, Hey, what did jo- it was John Henry or Sam Kennedy a few months ago? Well, you know, Hey, that's a lot of money. So, you know, when you're looking at that, you know, in the ninth and 10th and 11th year, it's like, yeah, that's the point, dude. You pay all the money up front. You get, re- you get six, seven really good years. And then you, p- and then, you know, you're, you're paying a little bit for the regression. That's just how it works. If we could sign everybody at 21 years old to $300 million deals and get max value, that's great. Then get rid of the arbitration system. And then this isn't even a discussion. And then in their 30, in their mid thirties, you can sign them to one or two year deals, but the system is broken. Just like many other systems that we talk about on a daily basis, the baseball system is broken. And then you have these guys making excuses for things that don't matter because they don't want to pay $30 million in an age 36 season when they're not going to be hitting 35 home runs and stealing 25 bags. But that's the reality of it. People age, you don't stay in your prime forever, and you got to take one on the chin, especially if you're a billionaire. Which brings me to my next point is why is the media now talking about the Yankees doing the exact same thing that the Red Sox just did in trading Mookie Betts? I go online yesterday, try to wake up, enjoy my life, First thing I see when I'm looking up Yankees news is Aaron Judge trade scenarios. Why? Why? Why do you? Why? Why is this happening, Adam? It's. I mean, let's enjoy the bet stuff while we still can, because apparently, legitimate New York media organizations are pushing the Aaron Judge trade narrative with two full years of control. Still, uh, it's not one. It's not like we're approaching a breaking point like the bet stuff. But we are. We're getting a lot of a, a, a huge runway out of mocking the Sox for just ditching their icon and trading Mookie Betts for sort of a lesser version of Mookie Betts and a top prospect after crying, they managed to get Jeter Downs in the trade. Pretty good addition to the trade. You know, you you sob long enough that I guess Major League Baseball gives you a little extra gift, but it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing thing for the franchise. And we're talking about trading Betts being like a long-term curse and all the Babe Ruth elements of the thing and the fact that both were traded after World Se- or traders sold after World Series winning 18 seasons, 1918 and 2018, and now Moogie's stealing bags like prime Babe Ruth. And it all sort of lines up, and it, it's quite embarrassing for a franchise like the Boston Red Sox to cry poor and, and trade a cornerstone like Moogie Betts. Um, it's, unfortunately, Yankee fans, it's the exact same thing, if not worse, for one of the only more valuable franchises in baseball in the New York Yankees to potentially trade Aaron Judge and do the exact same thing. Now, the conversation of what kind of mega deal Judge has earned from the Yankees in two years' time is a different conversation entirely, right? Because we've all sort of decided uh, he, he, he kind of is the once-and-future captain of this team. Um, they have the finances to sign him. We're not sure if it's prudent to do something like that. It, just because we don't have a lot of full years of data on Judge's availability, and 2021 is going to be enormous for determining what judge's next contract is, whether it comes with the Yankees or with another team. But this team is no doubt better with Aaron judge on it. Aaron judge's trade value isn't in the Gary Sanchez toilet, but it's also, you know, not where Mookie Betts's was and Betts in his final year. uh, didn't really accrue anything that's going to, you know, make you jump for joy. Uh, The best Yankees lineup time and again, it's always been proven is when Aaron judge is on the team, Aaron judge is healthy and Aaron judge is hitting. If you're even entertaining Aaron Judge trade options now, you've already lost. You're, you're doing Mookie Betts 
a year before the Red Sox even had to do Mookie Betts. Uh, and it's embarrassing, and it's coming from inside the house. Uh, it's like Andy Martino on SNY being grilled by a Charlie Kirk lookalike, asking <laughs> whether or not now is the time to trade Judge. And, of course, the conclusion is it's one of those news stories where it's framed as if we actually should be talking about it, and then people keep asking the question in the stories, and the answer is no. Uh, but they're putting out the stories anyway. So, oh, should Aaron Judge be traded right now? And the body of the article is just, no, that makes no sense. He should not be. But they've chosen to, to pursue that narrative. And so I guarantee when Aaron Judge shows up at spring training, it's going to be questioned about it. Uh, and now is simply not the time to pull these kind of Red Soxian shenanigans. Not at all. And I, I don't understand the timing because, like you said, we're riding high on, you know, the, on – drinking the Red Sox tears right now. They're watching Mookie Betts perform at the highest level, on the highest level, and making them regret not just paying money for him, which is what they have. Now, you know, is Aaron Judge the same player as Mookie Betts? No. Is Aaron Judge as impactful as Mookie Betts in other facets of the game when he's fully healthy? Yeah, we could, we could certainly are. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has get a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. That And like you said, the Yankees are the Yankees, and they are this best version of themselves and World Series contending team when Aaron Judge is playing like Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge can be on the field. So, you know, you're not getting much better right field defense out of, you know, out of somebody else. What, what tree, you know, we just watched, we just watched Mookie Pets go to LA for Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs. And wasn't it like one other guy or whatever? Uh, is Connor that, Wong, the catcher. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you want Yankee fans? You want, you know, just, and you're not going to get, you're not going to get more than that because judges, judges future is very uncertain. Like you said, contract extension for him at some point, completely different conversation, you know? He's played, I think, in 242 games since the start of um, 2018. Uh, his injury troubles have taken over for the last three years, and it's no doubt very concerning. It's something that we're going to have to monitor for the next couple of years, and you know, it's going to be a tough conversation when they have to go to the negotiating table because Judge's value when he is playing is through the roof, but if you're not playing, I don't know what else you can do. Um, but nonetheless, uh, discussing this, look, I will admit, I wrote something about this last year, but my solution was trade Aaron Judge to sign Mookie Betts. Now we can't sign Mookie Betts because he signed the extension. That article was written when he uh, had just been traded to the Dodgers and there was a lot of uncertainty regarding his future. We were in the middle of pandemic baseball. We didn't know what was going on. So, hey, if there was a solution in the form of Mookie Betts hitting free agency and the Yankees had to spend money, and they wanted to do it there, that's, that's a fine solution. And I don't think many fans would have disagreed with that. I don't know if you would have disagreed with that. I think that is something, you know, if they, even if they weren't getting top-notch value for Judge, they could have maybe gotten, um, you know, a good controllable starter and, you know, somebody to groom, uh, to groom as a prospect as the years go by. I don't know. Um, trade value is very hard to diagnose, especially when it's somebody as complicated as Judge. Um, but there's no solution here. Who are you putting in right field? Stanton can't play the outfield. Uh, but we're going to bring, we'll bring back Brett Gardner 
and we'll have Brett Gardner, Clint Frazier, and Aaron Hicks in the outfield. That's that's your solution. Uh, th- th- I don't know. Th- that No, that, I, I do know. No, the answer is no. That's not a solution. We need Aaron Judge to be healthy. We need Aaron Judge to produce. And we'd like to pay Aaron Judge. We'd love to see Aaron Judge as the Yankees captain. He's a very uh, calculated, measured dude. Um, he's a class act. He's always saying the right things. He's a great influence. He's a great role model. All the things you want in somebody representing your franchise. He's a, he's a top five player if he's fully healthy. I don't think that's really up for debate. Um, but that is a big question mark if he's healthy. Uh, but considering trading him now when the Yankees – because it, it's it's crazy to even consider that. Because why are, why are we going to consider trading Judge? What what's what's your reasoning for that? I don't know what your reasoning is, but we can go through a number of things. They acquired Giancarlo Stanton, who is you know pretty much a carbon copy of Judge, just minus the defense in terms of what his abilities are at the plate. So we traded for so we're we're bringing in Stanton and then just saying all right, we'll just get rid of Judge now because we can't get rid of Stanton because Stanton's deal is too big. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the logic is. We have a redundant lineup. That's no secret. Um, A lot of the players are boom and bust home run hitters. Uh, We don't have a lot of slap contact hitters. Uh, Yes, people walk, but the whole thing that really gets offenses going is testing the defense by putting the ball in play. Um, And we don't do that. So is trading judge the answer to solving that? Absolutely not. Uh, There are many other guys we can trade, many other scenarios we can explore. Um, And do you think Brian Cashman is going to deal for pennies on the dollar? Because I don't know what team is going to go into negotiations, you know, dying to acquire Aaron Judge right now. Um, He's got two years of control left, rising arbitration costs. Um, He's proven the last three years he cannot stay healthy. A lot of freak injuries, a lot of things kind of out of his control. Um, Bad luck. Teams are not going to be looking to acquire bad luck and then potentially have to pay for it uh, exponentially through arbitration or via a contract extension. Just doesn't make sense. You know, this is, this is a guy who is a Yankee. He's a Yankee through and through. This is not somebody you trade unless, like I said, there is an immediate solution. There is not an immediate solution. There is not, we're not getting tip top value for him. Look, we're arguing about not trading Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt's value is the highest it will ever be. It's not going to get any higher than this. He just hit 22 home runs in a 60-game season. Yes, he kind of fell flat on his face um, in the postseason, but he had plantar fasciitis. That's going to catch up with anybody. That's a that's a death sentence for uh, you know for players who have to stand on their feet for an entire game and run the bases and you know be agile on the defensive end. That finally caught up to him. His value will never be higher. Luke Voigt's. He just proved that he's an MVP caliber player in the shortened season. He came through, he showed that he's a team leader. He's a veteran voice and people don't want to trade him, even though his value is through the roof. Now we're going to consider and even think about, you know, discussing the possibility of trading Aaron judge when you're not going to get even close to maximum value for Aaron judge. And even if you did get maximum value for Aaron judge, what is that? What is maximum value for Aaron Judge? Who are you bringing onto your team that's going to make your team better than Aaron Judge would if Aaron Judge is fully healthy? And the answer is not that many people. The only solution I had was signing Mookie Betts, and I don't think that that's that there's no there's no other immediate solution. I don't know. I don't know if you think there is, but I don't. So let's see if we can get the Dodgers to trade the Betts contract for <laughs> Judge. Maybe maybe they need a little relief. We'll give him two years of Judge. We'll take Betts. I mean. 
what the pro- what people are missing here is that so if you're saying we should trade Aaron Judge to maximize some er- other area of the roster, you're saying that the starting lineup every day should be what the Yankees lineup is when Aaron Judge is injured because that doesn't work <laughs> because yeah. we've seen that and it's not good. So that is that is Gardner, Frazier, Hicks, and then one of them is probably injured as well. But like we've seen the Yankees without Aaron Judge, it's actually straight up not good. It's been recently, it's happened a lot, and we've hated it. So you want to ensure that that happens? No thanks. And then in terms of the trade market, I mean, I'm having trouble finding people on the trade market who I want in general, let alone who I want for Aaron Judge. Teams are snapping up their controllable assets more often these days than ever before. And there are teams that aren't really contenders that think they are. Like the Reds and Luis Castillo used to be a trade partner that you'd see all the time for the Yankees. And now the Reds are maybe NL Central champs next year because they you know, have Sonny Gray too, but they won't have Bauer and who knows, uh, but like that's not a team that's going to break itself up, um, and that's also not somebody I'd really want for Aaron Judge. It's all confusing. There, there's no one on the trade market who I'm even that into acquiring, and certainly not for Aaron Judge. Uh, so I guess we will see if people won't shut up about this, if somebody actually is willing to develop a theory uh, of what could be a beneficial Aaron Judge trade, because I haven't seen it yet. If somebody wants to talk Aaron Judge trade and show me a scenario that makes some semblance of sense, okay, uh, you can at least sell me on looking at it, but uh, I don't think there is one. And if there is one that looks like Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs for Aaron Judge, um, I'm going to say no thanks. Um, So we should also address sort of the thing that's been rumbling around the the Yankees blogosphere these past couple days. There's an anonymous scout uh, who, once you get a juicy anonymous scout, just with quote after quote, um, who's willing to sort of rip into the Yankees, the local papers are going to eat that up. Um, So NJ.com found some scout. Randy Miller found, found a scout willing to sort of unload on whatever the Yankees have done in the past, uh, you know, 365 days. Specifically, he went after Matt Blake, uh, the new pitching coach who was hired to sort of revamp the analytics in 2019 and 2020. Um, He's the guy who famously sort of allowed the Indians to turn into the pitching generator that they've become with Zach Plesak and Shane Bieber and, and, you know, Aaron Savali and guys like that. So it was like, all right, once we let a guy like Blake get his hands on the Yankee pitchers, he's going to unlock all these sorts of things. Well, we didn't exactly see that in 2020, obviously with an interrupted season stop and start. Who knows how much instruction he was able to do. But this scout destroyed Blake for sort of the way that he conducts himself in mound visits. Is this firsthand knowledge? I'm not sure, but it's worth examining this, this quote. Uh, quote, he has no gravitas as a person when he goes out there. He looks fearful and scared of the moment, which isn't a surprise because he was coaching in high school a couple years ago. It's easy to read his body language just from watching on TV. And the lack of respect or attention the Yankees pitchers even pay to Blake, it got to where it seemed like the Yankees didn't make many trips unless it was Boone going out to make a pitching change. I think having a real pitching coach would help them get better. Now, I'm not sure what that is and what a real pitching coach is. And I assume by a real pitching coach, this scout means like, an old man, like a Don Cooper or just a classic, <laughs> a classic old fat man who you, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not in a major league locker room. I don't really know what a pitching coach does. I know that Larry Rothschild was an easy scapegoat because the team's pitchers underperformed under Larry Rothschild. And obviously the sunny gray evidence that they kept trying to get him to tweak with his arsenal and he didn't want to do it is pretty high evidence that Larry Rothschild maybe was not meant for these times. But what does a pitching coach do? And is a veteran pitching coach, some experienced 70-year-old man, 
really going to bring more to the table than like Matt Blake, who we've watched save the careers of a lot of pitchers in Cleveland. Like, is he the problem? And is it valid to say he kind of looks weak in his mound visits? Is that a real thing? I, 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 I don't entirely disagree with that. I did every time Matt Blake came to the mound this year, I'm like, what is the purpose here? Like you don't, his energy, he's not really exuding any sort of energy. He's just like there. Um, and I mean, you couldn't see his face, so he's wearing a mask. So I think that that also, that also kind of didn't help his case when you yeah, see a, a pitching coach go out to the mound and have certain facial, yeah, and have certain facial expressions, and you see how he's delivering his words to the pitcher. It kind of changes things. But yeah, I mean, the guy, yeah, a guy walking to a mound in a ski mask with a low energy strut uh, to talk to Garrett. What, what do you say to Garrett Cole, dude? Garrett Cole has all the answers. He doesn't, you know, you don't need to be out there to talk to get like no pitching coach needs to be out there to say something to Garrett Cole. So, I mean, that's funny because I did think that every time Matt Blake would come out there, I'm like, what, what is this guy doing? And it would always be a very quick visit. It was never anything, you know, momentous or anything uh, long-winded or it didn't seem like anything significant. It just seemed like, you know, pitcher needs a break. Boone's like, Matt, go out there. Just, you know, ask him what, you know, what he had for lunch and if he enjoyed it and then come back here and then, you know, maybe he'll get his, uh, he'll get his shit back together. So um, I think, I, you know, I think there's some validity to this quote. I think the quote itself is a little bit mental. Uh, if there is no inside knowledge of what, this guy is doing of how the players view this guy. Um, look, I don't know what the job of a pitching coach is aside from, you know, watching the pitchers and being like, Hey, uh, it'd be great if you located your slider a little bit more here, or, you know, if you went, uh, if you went more up and in with your fastball, or, you know, if you tweak this aspect of your delivery, or if you, you know, you, you torqued a little bit at the end of your delivery, you add a couple miles per hour onto your fastball. I, I, I guess um, my biggest issue with the Yankees, I don't know if this is relative to a pitching coach, is they don't seem to have good scouting reports. Um, I don't know if that's on the pitching coach to tell the pitchers how to attack hitters of the opposing lineup. I don't know if that's on the hitting coach to look at other opposing pitchers and say, oh, you know, this guy is going to be attacking you with the slider. Be sure to lay off it, whatever it may be. So if that's part of Matt Blake's responsibilities, I guess he didn't do that great of a job because we saw Garrett Cole give up a league high 12 home runs through his what first seven starts. Uh, so there was clearly a problem there with his fastball location teams were all over it. Uh, whether or not it was his location or if he was tipping pitches or he was just not mixing his stuff up well enough. I think that could be a reflection of the pitching coach. I also think that this was not a long enough season to judge an assistant coach 60 games. You got 12 starts out of your best guy who's supposed to be getting 20 more in a regular season. And we're going to, you know, I, you know, had said some unfavorable things about Matt Blake at some point, cause I was just mad and probably just needed someone to blame. Like, like we all do. Um, but do I think Matt Blake is the problem? No. Do I think that, you know, maybe he could have done a better job? Sure. Like I said, I don't really know what goes into being a pitching coach. Uh, I've never talked to one. I've never uh, expanded upon their responsibilities um, I don't think we will know until we get into a locker room one day and they want to, you know, they want to put that knowledge on us and inform us about that. I'm sure there's, you know, there's some archive we can go read about pitching coaches. Hey, we could probably read about the old timey pitching coaches and what they were doing and see if uh, they want to come back and uh, bring back the old school. I don't know, but this is a new school guy, analytics heavy. He's very young. Uh, he doesn't have a huge body of work, but it is impressive what he did in Cleveland. Um, and I don't think that you can be blaming an assistant coach in a shortened season when at the end of the season, once again, it was 
was the bats that let this team down. It was not the pitching. The pitching did not let this team down. There are some issues with the pitching. Uh, some relievers didn't step up and do what they were supposed to do. Uh, some of the starters were inconsistent. But that seems to be the story with the Yankees probably every single year. Um, and to think that we're going to diagnose this problem in a shortened 60-game season when we didn't have any home games during the playoffs uh, is a little bit, I think, a stretch um, and unfair. I think if you want to have this opinion on Matt Blake after next year and we have a full season and you have more of a body of work to determine what he did wrong, or if you know what pitching coaches do and you can exactly pinpoint, hey, this is a pitching coach's job and he did it badly and now we're in this spot and this is his fault, that's great. But that the, what, what this quote is showing me doesn't reveal any of that. And I, it's, one could say it's a little bit irresponsible. If I were an anonymous scout, I would simply spend my whole day contacting rival reporters and being like, I'm going to shit on one of your players <laughs> or coaches. Like, what is an anonymous scout? Is that part of their job is like riling up another fan base to try to ruin them from the inside out? Like, who are you and why do you, why are you qualified to speak on this? Like, this scout is just a messy scout who lives for drama. Like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why you waste your time being like, hey, I got to call my old friend of the Yankee <laughs> just like poop on their pitching coach. That's my job as a scout. Like, I guess a lot of scouts got furloughed this year. Maybe they're looking for that extra paycheck and they just need that, you know, $500 advance from talking to NJ Advanced Media. But I do feel like there's probably a better use of a scout's time. Like, I hope whoever this anonymous scout is missed out on signing a huge undrafted free agent because he was too busy. Like, he wasn't on the road. He was at home just, like, you know, ruining Matt Blake's entire ethos to some <laughs> random reporter. Um, before we leave, I think we, we would be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, just a nightmare stat, just an absolutely horrible stat about uh, our favorite closer, Aroldis Chapman, who we've spent the entire short offseason. It's only been, like, uh, almost two weeks at this point trying to get rid of and trying to figure out a way to get a salary off the team. Um, Clayton Kershaw, much maligned pitcher in the postseason, usually goes a little too long. That guy goes probably, you know, six innings, probably enough for Kershaw, especially as he's aged. Uh, But usually, all unfortunately end up seeing Kershaw go into the seventh, start surrendering runs. Uh, He definitely gets weaker the third and fourth time, obviously, through the order. Um, So Clayton Kershaw has given up three go-ahead hits in the sixth inning or later since the 2013 postseason. Not great. Sort of a a thing he does. It's a classic bugaboo. He's one of the most hated postseason pitchers in baseball. Glad he redeemed himself last night in game one. But nonetheless, three go-ahead hits since the sixth inning or later since 2013. That's tied with Justin Verlander for the second most over the course of that span. Has anybody given up more? Obviously, yes. And, you know, tied for second most, that indicates they're there's someone who's a step above them and it's a Roldis Chapman and he's allowed five and those five go ahead hits in the sixth inning or later since 2013 doesn't even include the game seven tying home run that Rajai Davis hit. So that would mean Chapman has allowed six of the most damaging hits in the postseason only in the last seven years. Uh, how can you justify trying this person out ever again in a playoff game? You, you can't, right? I can't. Ryan Cashman apparently can. He says he trusts him to close out games in October. And yes, I guess the three losses that he has with the Yankees, 2017 ALCS game two, 2019 ALCS game six, and 2020 ALDS game five, they were not safe situations. So I guess Cashman might have a point because Chapman does have six saves um, in his uh, 35 game postseason career, uh, which is also not a lot. If you're, if we're talking from a safe, uh, safe perspective, um, coming into the game 35 times, I think that's the stat. Uh, I'll, I'll just pull it up as I keep talking, but 
Um, you can't. This is it, the Taylor made aspect of a closer is to just get the job done in the postseason. And if he has the most, if this is his like crowning achievement, his infamous crowning achievement, that's gonna you know that's gonna be in the history books. It's it's just such a terrible look. Um, and it goes to show that you know Yankee fans have legitimate uh, legitimate gripes with um, you know his ability to close out games uh, or to keep games in check and he has not been able to do that when the game's tied. And I know that that's, you know, not entirely his job. His job is to come in and shut the door when it's, you know, three runs or fewer when they're leading by, uh, you know, between one to three runs. And um, I guess, Oh, he has 10 saves in 35 career uh, playoff games. He has six saves with the Yankees. Three of those have come against the Minnesota twins and Oakland athletics. I'm not saying I'm not going to count those, but I'm also saying that doesn't entirely impress me. The um, A's save was also a 7-2 game at some point. I, like, the tying run must have been on deck, but that's, come on, come on. Was it an A's save? Actually, hang on, I just lost my footing. No, he just came in to pitch against the A's in that oh. one game, I think. Okay. Played the, yeah, so he has two saves against Cleveland in that 2017 ALDS that we loved. He has one save against the Astros uh, at Yankee Stadium, that epic comeback uh, when the Yankees were down 4 to, four to nothing in the seventh, and then just got it started with the solo shot Todd Frazier got on base Chase Headley had that stumbling double um and then the Yankees came back to win that 6-4 he shut the door in the Bronx got to give him credit for that that's a big save uh 6-4 lead uh although the Yankees did have all the momentum that's just the way it was uh he has um yes he has uh save against the Twins last year uh in the ALDS and then he had one save against the Astros last year in the ALCS but guess what? The two saves against the Astros are pretty much negated because he blew two of those games against the Astros um, in those series that he pitched, and they sent the Yankees to him. So uh, that's not really what you want. I don't know how you can trust them. The fans clearly don't trust them. I think the Yankees have to say they trust them because, like we discussed last, uh, on Monday, they don't really have a way out here. No one's going to want to inherit $16 million for a closer for the next two years, especially – with all the stuff that we're talking about in terms of owners ownership, exercising financial constraint, the trade, another guy that you, how are you going to trade him? You know, especially if Cashman doesn't like to trade for pennies on the dollar. I don't know what value you get back for all this Chapman. I, I really don't. Um, but terrible stat. Uh, the only thing we can hope is that this, these, this unluckiness kind of regresses to the mean. And he, I guess has a lights out to next two postseasons are lights out because his last three postseasons have been an absolute disaster for the most part. Yeah. Great. We have a Clayton Kershaw of our own who we bring in specifically to protect late leads and playoff games. Feels good. Love to feel good. Uh, so we're going to leave you on that extremely happy note. Uh, so you can be as bummed out as the rest of us, but don't worry. There's more world series play and Mookie Betts will be participating in it, rubbing it in the Red Sox faces every time he appears on the field. That is it for this episode of the Yanks go yard podcast. Make sure to drop us a line in those five star reviews on Apple podcasts on Spotify and Google podcasts. We would love to hear from you. And those numbers are ticking up every week. So we're really excited. We're going to have some great guests for you as the off season drags on and we want you to be a part of it. So make sure to drop us a line, a question and a review and subscribe while you're there so that you get all the good stuff. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. And please head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We love the, the listenership here on the pod, but we also are pre we appreciate the readership. 
lot of content coming for you throughout this offseason. It's going to be wild. There's going to be a ton of speculation whether or not these teams are going to be spending or trading or whatever. Like you said, drop a mailbag. We'll, you know, explore some trades for you or some free agency scenarios. And we'll have some fun with it. That's what it's all about, baby. So until then, we'll see you on Pizza Friday, guys. Wow. Next time we're back, it'll be Pizza Friday. Close your eyes. Feels like it's almost here. Take care, everybody. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.